0: From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Genesis 28.10, Vayetzeh, Yaakov's Journey. In this week's portion of the Torah, we read one of the most well-known mystical experiences ever recorded, Yaakov's Dream. Yaakov is on his way to his mother's family in order to escape his wicked brother Esau and, hopefully, to find a wife. He lies down for the night on a spot that turns out to be so holy that when he awakens, he exclaims, There is God in this place. What made him come to this realization was a dream wherein he saw angels going up and down a ladder. The ladder had its base on the ground, and its upper end was in heaven. This dream and his exclamation raise some very difficult questions. Number one, what did he mean when he said, there is God in this place? Certainly Yaakov knows that God is everywhere. So why did he exclaim that he was in that place specifically? This is already obvious. And secondly, why did the angels need a ladder? It is well known that angels are depicted as having wings, so why would they need steps to climb up and down? Let them fly. Many explanations can be given for the meaning of Yaakov's dream. This is one of the beautiful things about metaphors. There can be many explanations, and although they may be quite different, they all could be correct. Angels are messengers, or more precisely stated, they are messages. They are not independent beings with free will, but rather they are sent to do a specific task that has been assigned to them or through them. This is what those angels were doing, carrying out their individual personal tasks. Yaakov was shown that man's doings in this physical world have their spiritual counterpart in the upper world. This means that man's actions are not only sent out into the physical world, but are also sent up into the spiritual world. These were the angels going up and down the ladder. Just as the physical aspects of an action are sent out into the lower physical world, so are its spiritual aspects sent up into the spiritual world. To explain, when we decide to do a deed, first there has to be some type of spiritual stirring that somehow motivates us toward that deed. Then, this stirring develops into a thought. And if it is followed up on, that is, if the subject of that thought is actually carried out, it will become a physical deed. This is movement from the spiritual world, pre-thought world, to the physical world, the actual deed. These are the angels moving down the ladder from the higher world to the lower world. Then, when the deed has been accomplished in the lower world, in the physical world, the spiritual aspects resulting from the physical deed rise up to the spiritual world. They go to the place where all deeds are spiritually recorded. Again, angels moving up the ladder. Remember, we are speaking here in metaphoric terms. This is necessary in order to understand a subject that perhaps is too subtle for words. So this is what God was showing Yaakov by having the angels go up and down the ladder. He was seeing how man's actions, his deeds, speech, and thoughts, move up and down the ladder. First they move from the spiritual world to the physical world, and then from the physical world to the spiritual world. Man's actions are garments or expressions of his soul, and as such, they are projected into the world. Why the wrongs? The greater the deed, the higher it goes, step by step. The more deeds, the higher they go, each one adding to the previous, stage by stage. Deeds go both up and down, or perhaps more properly stated, they go out into the physical world, and then they also go back into the spiritual world. This is important for us to realize. Know that all of our deeds are recorded spiritually and will be played back to us when we return to the entirely spiritual world from where we came. Seeing these deeds will either give us great embarrassment or great joy, depending on their nature. This will be the judgment of the soul. As it turns out, the latter is man himself. His feet are underground and his head toward heaven, and the angels are his actions. And why did Yaakov exclaim, There is God in this place? He was saying that God's presence is revealed in this place. That is, this is the way to reveal God's presence in the lower world. Our physical deeds, our words, and thoughts have one end headed toward earth and the other toward heaven. By realizing this, we can reveal spirituality in the physical world. The latter is a metaphor for us, with one end firmly planted on earth and the other jutting high into heaven. It is as if our deeds climb us. All that we do comes down in stages, and then goes up in stages, and then later we ourselves follow along after what we have done. Our sages tell us that the physical place where Yaakov saw this vision was the Temple Mount in Indeed, this place is called the place where God reveals himself. And to this day, he does so to all who earnestly seek his presence. This revelation can occur anywhere in the world by realizing and revealing the spirituality and the physicality. But here in Yushalayim it is easier. What can we learn from this? The deeds of the fathers are a sign for the children. This means that we are to learn lessons from the deeds of our ancestors that affect our personal lives. So the question should be asked, What does Lavlen switching Leia for Rachel and tricking Yakov have to do with me? Yakov loved Rachel. She was beautiful and just what he wanted. He married Rachel and went to sleep on his wedding night with a woman he thought was Rachel. But he woke up with Leia. His crafty father-in-law tricked Yakov and switched Leia for Rachel. Yikes! What a dirty trick! But back to our question. What does this have to do with us? The truth is, this happens to all of us. We all marry a woman we believe to be Rachel, and in the morning, we wake up and see that she is really Leah. At first, this seems to be a play on the Jewish woman, but it is not. If it is a play, then it's a play on the Jewish man. Men usually marry the woman they do for physical reasons, Rarely does a man marry primarily for spiritual reasons. So Hashem, he is the tricky father-in-law who pulls the switch on us. Rachel is Yaakov's earthly wife. She is beautiful, and he wants to live with her. Leah is Yaakov's spiritual, eternal wife. She gave him one half of his sons and his only daughter. She is the wife that is buried with him in Hebron, while Rachel is buried away from Yaakov in Bethlehem. In order to entice man to give up all that he does when he gets married, Hashem has to make the woman very attractive. Although she may be very attractive spiritually, there also must be the driving factor of physicality. Hashem tricks man with beauty and draws him into the relationship that is for spiritual purposes. In the morning, after much of the mystery has been revealed, man takes a different look at his wife. He sees that, indeed, he has married Leah, and then he also sees that this was the original plan of her father, the Creator. This week's portion is closed. This means that the entire portion is written without any paragraph breaks, as a single paragraph. One thing we can learn from this is that since the entire portion deals only with Yaakov's journey from the time he left the land of Israel until the time he returned— And since there is no empty space left for paragraphs, Yaakov never wasted any of his time on his journey. He used every minute of his trip for Torah and mitzvahs. Whatever you do comes back to you. The mystical workings of the universal principle, portion across from portion or measure for measure, meter connected meter, are seen in great detail in this week's portion of the Torah. Remember, the sole reason the Torah teaches us such a principle is to show us how it affects our lives today. When we see how it works in our daily lives, we can direct our actions in order to bring the results we want. We just discussed why this happened to Yaakov from a spiritual perspective. Now we are trying to understand what brought these specific things to him from a, the physical perspective. Yakov thought that he was marrying Rachel, but her father did a horrible thing. He took her older sister Leah and put her in Rachel's place. This fooled Yaakov into marrying the wrong woman. What did Yaakov do that brought this seemingly horrible thing to him? We know there are no accidents in the universe, so all of this must have come for a reason. What caused it to come the way it did? Let's look back at what Yaakov did. He also made a tricky switch. In order to receive his father's blessing, he switched himself for his older sibling, Esau, just as these siblings, Leah and Rachel, were switched on him. Yaakov, the younger, put himself in the place of his brother, the older, to fool his father, just as Lavan, his father-in-law, put his older daughter in the place of the younger one to fool Yaakov. It is as if Lavan, acting as the agent of Mita Konega was saying, Since you switched the younger for the older, now the older must be switched to the younger. With trickery, you took away the older, so with trickery, I am going to put the older back. Yaakov's father's eyes were dim, that is, it was dark for him, and he could not see that the switch was being made. So, too, when Yaakov's father-in-law tricked him, the room was dark, and Yaakov could not see that the switch was being made. Because of his father-in-law, Yaakov gave his greatest love and strength to the seemingly wrong daughter. Because of Yaakov, his father Yitzchak gave his greatest love and blessings to the wrong son. Leah, the switched woman, was really the woman Hashem intended for Yaakov because she was his spiritual wife, but Yaakov wanted Rachel, his earthly wife. Yaakov, the son, agreed to do what his parent Rivka told him to do, so Leah, the daughter, agreed to do what her parent Lavan told her to do. Yaakov, the switched brother, was the one Hashem really intended to receive the Father's blessings. But Yitzchak wanted to bless the wrong son, the one of the field, the earthly one. As it turned out, both switches were for the good, but neither man who was fooled knew this at the time. So many of the details of what came to Yaakov are rooted in what Yaakov had done himself. Now see if you can find the source of some of the things that happened to you. What did you do that brought that particular result back to you? Did you force something on someone and now see something being forced on you? Did you move something in an unusual way? Say something? What somewhat unusual thing did you do? Although all things we do somehow bring similar consequences back to us, it is easy to see this when we examine the outstanding or unusual things we do. Once you begin to recognize what brought those specific details back to you, you will be able to guide your future by more carefully directing your present deeds. Does this mean that we have no way to avoid the evil consequences of our actions? God forbid. When we turn from our evil ways and return to following God's ways with love, not only are the evil consequences prevented, the evil things we did actually come to our merit. We learn that when we do an evil deed, we are placed in a pit. The more evil the deed, the deeper the pit. The pit gets so deep that we cannot even see the sunlight. But then, when we turn and we repent, our world turns upside down. The pit we were standing in now becomes a mountain that we stand upon. How does this work? When the evil voice comes to accuse us of the evil we once did, a voice comes from heaven and says, This is the one who turned from such an evil place. Surely he is great now. When the evil side sees that its accusations bring only praise, it stops bringing its accusations. There is one.com.